The Neutral. everybody and we are back for episode two for season two of the neutral uh you know last week we had one of the more traditional styles of the show right we talked about we talked with wireman about you know his fgc background and you know just stuff that was a topic uh nothing that was super topical this week it's a little different we're going back to that format we tried towards the end of 2019 where we're gonna have smash writer alex lee uh, on the show, we're going to be talking about sort of sponsorships and money in Smash and the FGC. We've been talking about this for a while. This episode was supposed to happen, you know, months ago when uh, money in Smash became a big topic again. This happens, you know, almost on a cycle, right? Uh, I think it was in reference to a finish at one of the Smash majors where, you know, Smash Twitter was up in a tizzy about, you know, all these cash payouts and how, you know, uh, was it worth it? Was it not worth it? You know, should we be play paying pros more? But uh, yeah, so let's, bef you know, no more BSing. Let's get Alex Lee on. So let's hit that handy dandy two player screen button. And oh, hey, look, there's an Alex Lee. Hey. How are you tonight? Doing pretty good. Uh, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that we're going to be talking about money and sponsorships and uh, disparity on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, yeah. Very fitting for our two respective scenes because, you know, I'm more of an FGC person. Uh, you're definitely more informed about the Smash side of esports. So, you know, this should be a pretty interesting conversation. So... You know, every now and then, and I feel like it happens way more in Smash because uh, it's a little bit more poverty in a way comparatively to, you know, Street Fighter, which has the Capcom Pro Tour. You know, the Tekken Pro Tour, the Tekken World Tour has gotten a lot better in the past two years. You know, hey, even Soul Calibur has a tour. And yet we look over at the other side of the FGC pond at Smash and, like, you guys compete for, like, a hundred bucks. Yeah. So, so, you know, the thing that's interesting to me is I tried to do a lot more Smash content at EVO this past year. You know, I spoke to people like Esam, I spoke to Vicky Kitty, I spoke to TK Breezy. Uh, and they all kind of have a similar opinion. One, that Smash doesn't need a tour. And two, that nobody... None of the pros, per se, are in Smash for the money. Now, you're already shaking your head, Alex. What is they, your opinion on this? Sorry, they told you that the pros aren't in it for money. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, there is some level of passion inherent to being a competitor in Smash. Uh, because you have to imagine that some of these guys are god gamers. Like, they could get into League of Legends or, I don't know, Overwatch if they want to make big money. So, you're right that... The simple choice of Smash does involve some passion and some prioritizing of passion over uh, economics, but I mean, leave it to what you said you spoke to, like Vicky. I mean, leave it to a bunch of actually decently successful commentators 
to claim that players are not in it <laughs> for the money. That's ridiculous. Every player I've spoken to, I mean, they love the game, but the money, just like how to pay the bills, is constantly at the top of their consciousness. So, I, I mean, know, I, I. But just, I mean, like, I it's it wasn't imagine. just like I mean, uh, the cat. Like, I, I, like, this was the thing that shocked me. So, like, granted, like, the upper echelon of pros, and, you know, people can argue that, you know, Nakat's not good anymore or whatever, but, like, when it comes to most of the fighting games I cover, none of them, like, money never really comes up, right? When I talk to someone like Bonchan, who won Evo this year, didn't, like, money's never a thing that really comes up when we talk. Uh, and I know that part of that is, like, Bonchan has a really good sponsor in uh, Red Bull, you know, same thing with Daigo, Psy Games Beast, you know, Psy Games has a lot of money, so even if Daigo wasn't a strong competitor, he's got, you know, his money right. But, you know, it seems interesting that these, like, big competitors, right, uh, they say that money is not the problem, right? Like, MVD, everyone I've spoken to, and maybe I'm talking to the wrong Smash Pros that, you know, the payouts isn't an issue. Maybe I'm you know, at fault here, but where does the disparity come in from? Like, why is it that when I talk to these top smashers, with the exception of, like, Leffen and uh, some off-the-record conversations I've had with one or two other top-tier pros, and since they were off-the-record, I don't want to, you know, put them on blast on the podcast, um, you you see this, like, big disparity of, like, there's one side of the, communi- of the pro community that's like, I, I'm good at this game, I just want to show other people I'm good at this game versus, you know, the other people who are saying, no, like, we, we need to get paid. We can't be going to these tournaments okay. to make $300. Also, real quick, chat, can you hear us? Because, uh, like, my level bar isn't moving for when you talk. Say something. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, no, it's working. It's fine. All right, cool. Uh, All right, so I, I I think I have an answer for this question, and I think it's important before, or in order to answer this question, I think it's important to first just, like, line up how Smash Pros, um, and I assume also FGC Pros, but I'm really coming from a Smash background. Yeah. I want to line up how they make their money, um, because I, I think that when you ask pros about, you know, their financial situation, um, whether they're comfortable with the amount of income they're making... Um, they there is sometimes some confusion about like the question of prize money and the question of the money that pros are getting. Um, I think, you know, if you if you were a pro Smash player and you didn't have a stream, you didn't have a sponsor, you didn't give lessons, you had no other income streams, uh, you would not be able to make a living just from tournament winnings. Uh, even if you were winning first place at every major you would not really be able to pay the bills, especially when you factor in the, the cost of housing and flying to each of these events. So, I'm, I mean, I think there are a lot of opportunities for Smash Bros to make money more broadly. Um, streaming is one obvious way that, uh, especially like the top level guys, can make a ton of money. Um, we know that Mango and Zero uh, are probably the most prominent examples, but even players like Leffen have enough subscribers that they can live decently off of just their Twitch subscription income. Um, and then on, on top of that, there's also salaries from sponsors. Um, there's just donations from viewers. Uh, a lot of players, like I was talking to DeBuzz for an article I wrote last year that kind of like inspired my interest. 
uh, in this subject, and DeBuzz gives private lessons pretty consistently to make money. So I think with all of those income streams together, it is possible to cobble together a pretty solid living if you're like a top-tier Smash Pro. But that is not the same as the question of prize money. Prize money in Smash is terrible because there's little, if any, support from Nintendo. I think almost no monetary support. Uh, so the prize money exclusively comes from, you know, maybe a few sponsorships, but primarily just the money put into the prize pool by the entrance. Um, which And that is just never going to be enough for someone to survive. So, I don't know. Uh, to me, when you ask that question of pros, they'll they'll be like, hey, no, I'm, I'm doing fine. Because there are these other ways for pros to make money. Um, but the reality is, like, they're that money still comes from their performance at tournaments. Uh, the way that these pros initially create, they build their brand and become famous enough to use their platform to make money in other ways, like Twitch, is through doing well at these tournaments, uh, performing well, making a good showing, um, you know, maybe getting a few sick clips and getting uh, increasing their following that way. But, like, it, yeah, I, when, a, when a player goes to a tournament, they, they are competing in order to add value to themselves no matter what. So, like, there's also, like, that double consideration of the prize money that they're making, but also, like, the tournament just as a place where a player can build his or her personal brand in, in order to, you know, increase these revenue streams in other ways. That was kind of a meandering answer, but no, I, no, it that gives some context. No, it does give a lot of context. So I think the the thing that uh, I'm I'm sort of zeroing in here, no pun intended, is that when you talk to these top level pros, their revenue streams are fine. Most pros, most of the top tier pros in Smash right now are sponsored. Mo a fairly decent number of them are sponsored by you know not just Smash orgs per se. Right. But these sort of bigger esports orgs, you know, you've got TSM, Cloud9, G2, you know, all of these big, big name orgs from the rest of the esports ecosystem. Uh, they may not descend onto the FGC abroad, but they've zeroed in on the popularity of Smash. Now, we do know, though, you know, even though we were talking about the fact that the FGC, that Smash right now specifically, that these players have decent revenue streams. But, you know, sometimes we hear about these Smash pros that uh, their teams seem to not want to see them at events. I'm always seeing some Smash pros say, hey guys, you know, you got to help fundraise me to go to XYZ event. And we're not talking about, like, tier 2 pros. We're not talking about top 50 Smash pros. Sometimes we're talking about, like, top 10 on the PG stats board pros. Being like, hey guys, um, I'm not gonna be at you know Big House because I I'm out of travel budget for the year, and lol. Yeah, well, I think that this kind of goes into the way that the differences between the ways that Smash Pros are treated by these organizations as opposed to players on, for example, like a a Counter-Strike team, or, um, you know, just part of the players who are involved in a quote-unquote Tier 1 eSport. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's a huge difference. Uh, if you're on League of Legends team, for example, you have a salary with benefits. Um, you're a full-time worker. Whereas Smash players, I think, just across all top organizations, I, I don't know the details of, like, Mango's contract, you know? Mm -hmm. Someone like him has probably a rock-solid deal with with c9 um but 
even someone like DeBuzz, who is a member of Team Liquid, obviously like a huge, highly valued organization, is still an independent contractor. He's not fully employed by the organization, uh, which means there's no benefits, a lot less monetary support, uh, and of the money he gets, he has to pay a huge chunk in taxes. So, I mean, I think that, you know, you can get kind of carried away or distracted by this big name, but the reality is, like, even the big name organizations are not giving Smash players that much, and that's kind of because it's becoming clear that, uh, for better or worse, the way that these, you know, the esports ecosystem is, is set up right now, Smash players don't really have that much obvious value to a roster. Like, I feel like a lot of the teams have Smash players now because, I, I don't know, I feel like this might be a bit of a hot take, but it's like a prestige thing. I mean, it's people know Smash, everyone knows and loves Smash, well, you know, most people love Smash. Everyone yeah. knows it, certainly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, people pick up Smash players because they are recognizable and they can be familiar faces. Uh, but, like, what are they really selling? You know, CRTs and GameCube controllers? <laughs> like, no, well, I, mean, I mean, especially for Melee, right? Like, you know, Jacob Wolf yeah. says this a lot whenever Smash comes up on ESPN is that, you know, one of the reasons that Nintendo doesn't back Melee is because no one's buying GameCubes from Best Buy anymore, right? They're buying them secondhand. Nobody's buying, you know, Melee, you know, hot off the press, right? Like, it's it's an out-of-print game. So, again, you're buying that secondhand. Nobody, I think, even, like, even people who, like, nobody makes a CRT. You usually either find it on the side of the road or, like, a friend is like, yo, I'm getting rid of a CRT, and you're like, you're a Smash player, and you're like, oh shit, I need to go pick that up right yeah. now. That so, was my story in college. Yeah, the CRT that I had my senior year was passed down year after year as people graduated. Yeah, uh, I don't even. It's probably still there, you know, in some freshman's dorm right now. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? Like, you know, one of the detriments for the melee community is the fact that, like, who who can you make? You can't really make a whole ton of. Uh, right. non-endemic sponsors, right? You, you know, something like Overwatch League, you know, they can get State Farm involved or something. But, like, Melee is not super visually attractive. Let's be real. It's it's a it's a beautiful game to watch if you like the intricacies of the game. But if sure. you were being, you know, straight up with yourself, it is not the the most graphically pleasing game out there, especially in esports. I, I will say this, I think something that Melee, or that Smash more broadly, and the FGC have in common that I think is an advantage for them, is that they are both, I think some they're some of the easiest esports for, like, total lay people to understand. You know, like, if you're, if you're like, a boomer who's coming to esports and, like, you're tuning into a League of Legends match, that shit doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it's completely... Like, and it's just exacerbated by, like, the shoutcasters popping off over stuff that makes no sense to you. But I feel like if you log in and you're watching, like, a Street Fighter competition, like, you immediately know what's going on. Even if you don't know how, if you can't appreciate how hard what they're doing is, you, you certainly get what's happening. I mean, it's like martial arts. It's fighting. Yeah. Everyone knows that. And I think, like, that that is why fighting games and Smash, like, have some hope in terms of, like, the esports industry. I think, like, if esports continues to grow, then there's a maybe a bigger, like, potential audience to be captured by Smash and FGC. Um, but, yeah, right now, it's it's kind of... It's 
excuse me, it's kind of poverty mode, you know? I mean, I, I understand why organizations don't allocate that much budget for... Now, now I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, dig on Smash too hard, and I definitely don't want to to hover on this, but I will say that like Smash, so I will agree that like Street Fighter Tech and those games, they have a pretty, you know, easy interface for for new people to watch. Smash can be a little complicated because you guys don't have a traditional life bar. So what Smash Super relies on is the fact that like everyone air quotes, has played Smash. You know, the same way we say everyone's played CSGO and everyone's played StarCraft, right? Like, yeah. those three games, and Street Fighter, right? So those are, like, the four games that everybody's played. Call of Duty, also, especially, state, like, stateside, not necessarily abroad, uh, are those games that, quote-unquote, everyone's played. I never played CSGO and I never played StarCraft, but I knew tons of people who do who weren't, who didn't consider themselves gamers, but they did play StarCraft or CSGO. So that people, those people understand what they see when they when they're watching Smash because they're like, oh yeah, I understand this percentage thing. But if like you have never watched a fighting game before and you tuned into ESPN on an Evo Sunday and Smash was on and you see one person, uh, you know, get killed but has like forty percent, but then somebody else is sitting on the stage with like two hundred thirty seven percent. Oh, 237.8% health. You know, you might you might be a little bit confused. So All right. All right. <laughs> I don't want I look, I'm not we we will schedule another episode of the, the Smash versus FGC debate. Um I yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think that's that's clear uh, especially I think Street Fighter is almost an unfair example because of how clear it is. I think you take something like Mortal Kombat and show it to, uh, like, a civilian... Yeah. Like, no, no, no. No, I definitely... I'm not saying that all of the traditional FTC games are are, are clearer than Smash, but I yeah. will... You you left the door open for my, my, my troll the Smash community ass to, like, creep in, and I was like, all right, it's my show. I, got, I can say whatever I want about Smash right now. But, all right, so, like, you talked about this prize pool thing, which is something that I think across the board is an issue in fighting games whether you're a smasher i think i think street fighter right is like the only game that gets to like eat like kings right like we have a pretty healthy robust prize pool system and that's partially because like capcom a hundred percent kind of gets that like you can't call something a pro tour but then like pay people 50 bucks um Versus, you know, Tekken, which is getting better. Thank you, Harada-san. We appreciate you so much. Um, you know, but, like, across the board, in most of the FGC, prize pools are kind of trash, right? Like, there's that big conversation a few years back in Tekken where, you know, the winner of the Tekken World Tour only made, a, like, I believe, like, a thousand and he was like, I might have to, like, I'm going to quit. I can't travel across the world to win 400 here, 500 here, and then be the best Tekken player in the world and make less money than somebody who didn't make top eight at the Capcom Cup. Like, okay. and then you look at Smash and your prize payouts are like 100 bucks for first place for like a... A major? Well, okay, that's that's an exaggeration. It's probably going to be like between like a thousand and three thousand, but still, but still, 
you know. Yeah, but I mean, like, first of all, like, one of the things I've noted about Smash is that, and this is sort of true in a couple of the FGCs in general, is that you're to make to make the tournament appetizing. You, uh, what a lot of these tournaments do is they do a very top-heavy prize pool. So you're looking at that first and second clearing yeah. clearing house, but then like third. You know they 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 they're eating the blue plate special. There there was actually a really controversial event earlier last year called uh, Thunder Smash One. Oh man, you um, know I've never heard of this event. You know d- does it does it ring a bell whatsoever? Well, then you might have you might remember the controversy about how they advertised it as if it was going to be like a fifteen thousand dollar winner takes all prize pool. First place gets fifteen thousand dollars. No one else gets anything. And that actually, there was such a, a blowback to that that I think they actually changed the uh, the base structure. But it just, it kind of epitomizes exactly what you're describing in a hilarious way. Um, but can I, can I say something in response? I mean, sorry, I, did, I, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 you're fine. Uh, and I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't, so like, I'll say, so audience and Alex, I say the same thing about Tekken events. I'll be like, oh man, first place at a Tekken event got like a hundred bucks. It's actually probably like, like a thousand eight hundred dollars somewhere around there, but like comparatively to like League, Dota, CS:GO, or even Street Fighter, a lot of these first place pot, pr- prize payouts might be good enough for for the first place guy, second place guy, third place guy, and then like if there's a third place guy, like I've seen some Smash uh, events be like first and second. Or first through fourth, and it's like, all right, what about the other half of top top eight? Well, that's that. I will say, like, if it pays out only like top three or top four, that's probably just like a local or a regional event. Majors will always pay out top eight, sometimes top sixteen, always. I think that's that's got to be standard. But I think um, I don't. I mean, the the problem is when we compare the the amount of money in. Smash and like non Street Fighter fighting games to the amount of money in League of Legend, uh, Dota, or even Street Fighter, uh, because just like the I, I don't know I mean and this is more of a Smash thing, but the reality is Nintendo is is just never going to pump money into the competitive scene the way that Capcom does or the way that Valve does or especially not the way that Riot does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so or or Activision any any of these big companies Nintendo is not going to do it and, it and I mean. This is the reasons why I've been covered ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, you know, there are like, I feel like Kotaku publishes like two pieces a year on it. They just like keep churning it. But, but you know, it's basically just because one, there's already this extremely successful or, you know, relatively at least extremely successful grassroots tournament system that doesn't need outside funding to exist. And secondly, like Nintendo perceives itself as, you know, the, the casual gaming corporation. So it's just part of their ethos. So I think, the problem is we look at numbers that are just just never going to happen. Categorically, yeah. they're never going to be hundred thousand dollar player salaries for Smash. Nintendo has the money that they, they could write off millions upon millions of dollars and just consider it marketing for Smash, but it's it's just not going to happen. I, I think the issue is that we expect that money to come from on high, whether it's from like a corporation like Nintendo. Or from venture capitalists who are funding, you know, Thunder Thunder Gaming, 
or you know whatever i i buy power like whatever hot new organization is is offering big prize pools like i just don't think that there's ever going to be really a sustainable path for like smash to get its prize pools from on high like that unless i win the lottery if i personally win the lottery then i will make smash happen (laughs) internet but like besides me there's no like super rich power that's going to do this so instead i think we should look at what value is being created in reality because again we said that smash players don't really create like that much value for their their sponsors the value that they create is something that is is being entertainers it's entertainment Mm -hmm. that's like really valuable to us well to me and my smash watching comrades the viewers so this is why i think that crowdfunding is the future i think that tournaments should turn towards like maximizing the entertainment experience for the average watcher and creating like increased incentives for people to donate to the prize pool or or directly to players or events or something um but but get something in response that kind of like plays on the fact that the real value that's being created is the gameplay itself i mean i don't know streamers already do this obviously i just think it's something that events should lean in on yeah and it's super weird elsewhere it's super weird uh so smash your dlc is free right like when a new character comes out it doesn't cost you guys money no 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 it's 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 5.99 okay okay so it's like it's like a lot of other fighting games okay so this 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 exposes this exposes how much of a, a smash fraud that i am that i don't even know how your dlc works but uh in all seriousness so what i've always found interesting and like so i'm not gonna harp like we no matter what Nintendo said at an E3 a few years ago where, you know, they were going to be super involved in esports and they showed some Pokémon footage and some ARMS footage and some Smash Wii U footage. And they're like, we're going to jump straight into esports. And then they did like a ARMS tournament. We, we won't talk about that. Like that, scratch, scratch it off the record. Trust me, dude. I, I watched the Nintendo, the Super Smash Bros. Invitational where they had those fucking robes for the winners. Mm-hmm. I watched that and I was like, this is the beginning of a new age. And then nothing happened after that. Yeah, so 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 we'll 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 pretend that that didn't happen because it effectively didn't. But, you know, what I think is super interesting is that when everybody talks about how much money Dota does for the Invitational, what people forget is that like 80% of that is crowdfunded, right? Yep. And Play, uh, I, I, I'm not super familiar with Dota, but you like buy you buy something in the game, and like that money goes to the prize pool. Well, it's segmented. Some yeah, of it goes to like that. Yeah. Uh, and League has started to implement that. Capcom has been doing that for a while for the Pro Tour, where a certain DLC that you buy, like the tournament stage and all of that, adds like, some okay. amount okay. to the Capcom Cup to the Capcom Cup's prize pool. Because I think the base price pool is like 200k, and then the rest is like digital sales. So like, even though in the past couple of years the overall price pool has come out to like three something, that's like that three something is like from digital sales. And so I've always wondered about this in, especially for Smash, is like what like you brought it up yourself is like how do you sort of kickstart? a better version of your prize structure maybe it's raising some tournament fees i know that i've seen like a bunch of different arguments you know as i said at the beginning of the show 
this episode was inspired by sort of a Twitter storm that started, you know, right. four or five months ago of people being... House 9, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you were... But you, you were exactly right about what happened. But the event was Big House 9. Yeah, so after Big House 9, everybody was talking about, you know, these payouts are not great. What do we do to fix it? Do we raise entry fee? Do we do we add, you know, do we do entry fee plus venue fee? Do we do, do we need, you know, a better, I'm going to use what we use in the FTC. I don't know if you guys use it too. Do we need better Maturino? Like, what do we need to do? And no, everybody threw out words into the void. And because you guys don't seem to, like, I know that there's like a unified Smash Teal body. Sort of, yeah. But it's not like a governing body. And this really is questions, yeah. Yeah, and so this is this is where like the not having a tour, in my opinion, like a an official pro tour really hurts you guys. Is that it, there doesn't seem to be a way to sort of say we do we need to set our events at this kind of price point for the health of the game. We need to do these type of things across the board for the health of the game. Because your your prize pools, like I'm, I'm looking at Genesis right now, and the Genesis singles prize pool for Ultimate is sixteen thousand eight hundred dollars, which isn't bad. It's not bad, but it, think about that as that is the biggest prize pool of the year, probably. Yes. I mean, Smash Summit might get bigger depending on how much crowdfunding happens, but that's different. I mean, that's that's an invitational. It's not. Yeah, an open major like Genesis, but and and the thing is, is not, and I know that not every tournament in the FGC pays out past top eight. But to to go to an event like Genesis, which is like a premier, according to Liquipedia, you know, it's not just a major; it's a premier. Yeah, and is, then it is the the top tier event in Smash, um, maybe Evo, but otherwise it's Genesis. Yeah, and then it not pay out past top eight is yeah. not super great let me you know what let me send you uh do, sorry do we have the ability to like play twitch clips no that i'm or, not that fancy okay all right um i'll just describe this then because this is sure. interesting um uh, i was just uh do me a favor uh send it to yeah. me after the show so that i can put it in the show notes um i actually i i had pulled it up Cool. Thinking that we might, so I'll just send it to you right now. But okay. basically, uh, it, this is really interesting and it's worth a watch for anyone who wants to check this out afterwards. Um, do, are you familiar? Do you know KJH, the Smash Pro? I, he's like not a top top guy, so I don't know if you no. are familiar with him. Um, KJH is like a floating around top twenty level melee pro. Um, he's been sponsored by a number of smaller organizations. Most recently, one called. Uh, Halo Klein Gaming, mm-hmm. um, but recently he announced that he's going to be taking a hiatus from competition this year um, because it's just it's not a sustainable career to be a top guy who isn't like one of those top personalities mm-hmm. like Mango, Hungrybox, etc. In this clip, he was streaming with a friend and he broke down uh, the exact kind of the numbers. He said. Halo Klein would pay for his flights and his housing at big events, uh, and then they would give him $450 a month. Um, and he said that 
if he went to a major tournament, he would invariably lose money. Um, even though his flight was, was being covered and his cousin was being covered, the other expenses that he accrued over the course of the weekend, plus, I mean, literally no prize money. Like, this guy could get top 16 in a major. He's not going to get top 8 at, like, 90% of major tournaments he goes to. So he's making zero money, like you said. Uh, so, like, effectively, he's making less than $450 a month because he's actually losing money at every tournament he goes to. So it's just, I mean, it's just literally not sustainable. Tournaments become, like, financial gambles for these people every time they go because they just can't, they can't reasonably expect to make any money. Out of them. So I don't know. It, it's it's better to just watch the clip than hear me describe it, mm -hmm. but it, it's pretty damning to hear someone who, for the last couple of years, he has seemed like he is at the cusp of breaking into the, the highest echelon of Melee. Um, like, he's always that guy who's very close to beating the gods. Um, he, he gets those big wins uh, just outside top eight in tournaments. Um, and, I mean, it, like, it literally was creating, creating debt for him to succeed at this level. I mean... So, it's depressing. <laughs> I mean, you know what's, uh, what this makes me think of is... Magic the Gathering. I don't know if you're familiar at all with the Magic the Gathering competitive scene. A uh, little bit, but not, I mean, just, you have to fill me in on whatever. So, very similarly, uh, we have a price structure where the top eight pays fairly well. And for a lot of events, we pay out at least to the top 32, sometimes the top 64. But then we're talking about, like, a couple hundred bucks to 50 bucks, depending on, like, what the event is. So something like a Magic Fest will pay, I think it's like roughly like, I want to say 100 bucks to top 64 and like 200 bucks to top 32 and then, you know, top 8, you know, right. actually making some amount of reasonable money. But uh, what was really interesting is, you know, like a lot of these games, they use the Pro Tour, right, as their way of promoting their game. So Magic, you know... How do you get people to buy cards, buy packs, right? Well, look at these pros. Like, look at them winning this money and the and the trophy. Like, play competitively, and it's super cool, right? Well, a pro penned an article and didn't release it under his own name or her own name and sort of elaborated on what being a pro player was like. And this was probably one of the most depressing things I had ever read. Now, I had known, I, I'd known about, like, how bad it was for pros, because, like, I, I used to be a magic judge, and, you know, those type of things talk come up, because I, I, I spent a lot of my adult life in abject poverty. So, talking about those things is, like, super familiar to me. But he was like, hey, I have a refrigerator filled of condiments. Because, like, my money has to be spent on some amount of cards, and getting from event to event. And if I don't cash at the event, then, like, how do I pay rent? Uh, and the big difference between, you know, magic... And the rest of esports and it's getting better is that like at least you guys have real sponsorships like until very recently with the introduction of magic arena and like wizards change to the pro structure of magic the gathering you you could be a top level pro but maybe be pulling in less than a retail worker a year while also traveling the world, right? And, and you're, the thing is, you're not building up any, like, long-term... 
Well, prospect. I mean, yeah. you're building you're building some skills, I, I guess. I mean, you could argue, but yeah, I mean, the, at the end of that, you know, I mean, these people, th- these pros are typically in their twenties, but you know, at a certain point, you're pushing thirty, and it's like, well, magic you know, magic trends a little bit older than the rest of esports. Uh, true, true. Uh, what's interesting too is that magic is like this, despite the fact that it has that support from like a big corporation. In, in this case. Uh, Hasbro is Hasbro like the top. Or- so so Hasbro owns Wizards of the Coast, um, and that has been be- both beneficial and not to to Magic esports. Well, uh-huh. ma- professional Magic. Um, but yes, the, there is the big Hasbro money, and that's why something like a GP, which would be a major versus a Pro Tour event, which would be you know a premiere. And then, you know, there are other tournaments throughout the year that you can go to, and those are kind of regional level or ranking level, depending on, like, what fighting game uh-huh. you follow. But, yeah, it's... it. I mean, across the board, if you're not playing a Tier 1 eSport, you're probably poverty level. Like, you're probably not... Like, yeah, of course, we have the pros, right? Like, Leffen... Levin's not poverty level, you know. Right, Levin. I think Levin might have just bought an apartment. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, there, there, there's definitely so like, because I, I, I always need to like, I always feel the need to preface this because you'll always get somebody who discovers this and goes, Levin's not in poverty or Mang. There's no way Mango's in poverty. Right. And it's like, but they're literally yes, like 10. they're literally ten or maybe fifteen people who are who can even vaguely support themselves. Yeah, and so, and it's true for a lot of fighting games. Like, a lot of dudes rely on, like you said, that stream revenue, coaching, YouTube, independent sponsors, or or they just don't. Like, you know, in Street Fighter, right, we had the IDOM story, right? IDOM, you know, stoop kid, finally finally gets off his stoop, travels around the U.S., win, like, you know, wins the Capcom Cup. That's sick, right? But, like... Idom is unsponsored. Idom had to pay for that stuff. Here's a here's a more like well known to people who don't follow Street Fighter is I think everyone knows the Li Joe story because that was the first year ESPN covered Evo and you know the Street Fighter Finals was on Evo was on ESPN proper. You know everyone knows about Li Joe. Li Joe not a sponsored player, right? A little bit shocking. Whatever, sure, fine. Dude works. 60 hours a week as a manager at a furniture store. Right? Like, these people who we think of as these, like, big-name pros, if you're not sponsored, you're working. Right? Like, it shocks people when I tell them, oh, this guy? This guy works a 9-to-5. And they're like, but he's he's got a sponsor. And it's like, I don't know if you know what the word sponsor means. <laughs> But sponsor does not mean full-time. Sponsor does not mean sitting pretty. And, like, sure, that, like, and like I said, there, obviously, there's probably, I would say about, I would say there's maybe roughly, more so so in Smash, more so than Smash, but at least in Street Fighter, I would say that there's at least, like, a hundred players in the world who based on their sponsor, they're like fine. They they've yeah. got they've got rent covered, they afford food, they they're they're set. 
but there's still the rest of us. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that begs the question, what's what's the end game, you know? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel sustainable for only 100 people to be able to live off of something that is, is trying to be an industry that employs, I think, far more than that. Um, I, and there ha- I think there has to be some kind of restructure. Uh, I'm not going to be the so, guy who has all the answers, but it just doesn't seem sustainable. So I think one of the things, and I think that this is where uh, both of our experiences, I think, overlap to an extent, is that both of these scenes, fighting games, so, you know, the traditional, the more traditional fighting games, and, and Smash, is... There is this sort of push and pull, right, between the grassroots and the sort of professionalism, esports sort of version, right? And so there's this weird tug of war where we do want to see our pros get paid, right? Now, you and me, we could enter an event because, you know, that's the FGC dream, right? That's the, that's the dream is that, like, yeah. if we work hard... We could go to a tournament and we can be the next tweak. We can exactly. be the next yeah. knuckle do, right? Like they we can be the right? And so yeah. like there's that that's that's one of the things, right? Is that we're invested because we what if we finally, you know, get good, right? That's that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is that like you if you're rooting for somebody, right? If you're rooting for tweak if you're rooting for knuckle do if you're rooting for you know wi- like wizzy right is that you want these guys to not be struggling right like you want them to live that pro player life that you think that they're supposed to be living for sure but on the other side how do you make that happen right like that's the thing that i think is super int- is like it's very difficult to figure out because it's it's not like we're pulling in these sponsors there is no game that is really pulling in these, like, big sponsor names. Like, the Capcom Pro Tour, we're sponsored by Vitrix and, I think, just Vitrix. I think it's, like, Vitrix, Twitch, hey, hey, Capcom. Hey, Shine 2018 was sponsored by Geico. I'll hold that for the rest of my life. But, like, let's be real. That was the Geico gaming division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which probably has, like, the same budget that, like... <laughs> that vitrix has right you know this isn't so like you know what what i think a lot of people don't understand and this is i think this has become sort of super painfully obvious for me over the years is that people will see an event and they'll see this row of sponsors right red bull gaming geico hyperx logitech and they're like yo this event's rolling in the money and what they don't seem to understand is that, like, that that Vitrix sponsorship, that's why all the stations have headsets. Yep. Right? There might be some money from Vitrix, but it's it's for all the headsets. You know, Gaming Generations? No, 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 no. Gaming Generations didn't, isn't paying out. The TOs are paying Gaming Generations for all the equipment. Yeah, I, lo- I love it when people think that Gaming Generations is a sponsor. Yeah, they're like, but 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 they're on the their logo. It's there. No, 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 no. That's to like make sure that gaming generations doesn't doesn't just like f off one day. 
Yeah, the scene needs those guys, that's for sure. Yeah, and, so you know, like... No one talks about it, but that's another, that's a whole other... That's story. a whole other story, but so like, I think what's weird, I think one of the things is I, I would love a T.O. one day, and I think it's going to be somebody like Kondo, right? You know, guy who runs Combo Breaker, to, to just sit down one day and be like, alright guys, this is what an event looks like and costs. Like... This is our. This is how much the venue costed us. This is how much all the gear. This is how much the staffing cost us. This is how much our commentators costed us, and that's how your your venue and tournament fee is getting segmented. And I think until something like that happens, you're going to have this sort of push and pull between the casual fans and the zero two warriors and the guy who only makes it out of first pool, and actually being the reason why this scene, these scenes are organically uplifted to a sustainable way. Because there is... You're, you were right at the beginning of the show. There is no reason why we cannot crowdfund our, our prize pools. There, is, there are 14,000 people watching a Smash event at any given time. Maybe more. I'm going at the imagine, super... Imagine if they put $1 in. But that's know? the thing, right? Like... Just imagine the Genesis prize pool as it is, right? 16.8K, 16, 16. right? And then let's go with let's go with median concurrent. We're not talking about peak, median. So let's say generously, like I'm probably lowballing. Let's say median concurrent is like 20K for the weekend. Imagine if 10% of that, right? 10% of that paid two dollars for some cool thing that they got right they get some i'm saying i mean twitch i think twitch needs to implement something like well you, well, you have game drops right well there's like game drops and stuff from twitch well, or whatever i think Macharino is probably the closest thing to that that you're describing like in reality right yeah um but if that was built into twitch and there was something that tournament organizers could do to like reward people who contributed in some way like you said i mean i don't know G give them a fucking unique emote people will, will spend way more money than they need to on a cool looking twitch emote uh i, I don't know i it's all very theoretical but I, I just think there needs to be more no and i, I agree with you to take advantage of of the massive uh spectator base that exists yeah in the because like because, like, the thing is, is they always tell you, like, you, can only, you should only expect 10% of your viewer base to want to financially support you in some way. Is that really, like, a, is that, like, a thing that is said? Yeah. It's, like, yeah, yeah. you you should, you, you're, like, I, I'm, I'm, like, living proof, like, 10% of my followers is, like, what I have in, in, like, Patreon subs. Like, I'm close to 100. I have two, I have, like, I have over 2K, but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not fully 10%, but it's, like, roughly between, like, my coffee drops and things like that, yeah, it comes out to, like, 10% of my viewer base supports me in some financial way. So, like, in that world, it's just baffling to me that we haven't... And I don't know if it's because, like, no one's really sat down and tried to figure it out. I know that for some of these TOs, like, it takes... All, they don't have a big team behind them. So it takes all of their bandwidth to plan an event, run it, break it down, and then... Start planning the next one, right? And so I just... They don't have the bandwidth, I think, a lot of these GOs. Because there are also people that aren't sitting pretty, right? We think that they must be raking in money because, you know, 
it's combo breaker it's genesis it's ceo but that's not necessarily true uh I'll, I'll go back to magic for an example somebody once asked one of the top tos in magic in the northeast how do you make money running an event and he said if you want to make money running an event you don't run one hmm. damn sad but true and so and that opened my eye because i was kind of like oh man i want to know the answer to this question too and he was like you don't run one he's like i don't make money on the event he's like maybe i break a thousand dollars at the end of the day i mean you look at the big fgctos uh like Big E, mm-hmm. you know runs like nec one of the one of the most well-known FGC tournaments is uh i believe like a bartender or something yeah full-time uh jibaley CEO does not make Jabaley money. What makes Jabaley money is is then using the renown that he's developed as a TO and contracting himself out to like the DreamHack events. Yeah, you know and stuff like that. Yeah. So I I I think what needs to happen is somebody and not us because I have I have a life and you have a life, but I think the community. That's why that's why I, I really do feel that this is something that won't get solved into a bunch of people just like pull back the curtain and they're like mm-hmm. this is what our lives look like and because that's what happened in magic a, a magic pro pulled back the curtain showed everybody how shitty being a magic pro was and all the fans were like wait what and like really rallied behind the pro community and was like watsy y'all gotta fix this shit and like it's not great but it's progressively, it is definitely better than it was like the 10 years ago or something that somebody wrote that article. And I think that until we have that moment in the FGC and Smash where like some pros and some TOs come out and they're like, this is what, this is like the dog and pony show. Like this is how it all works. And it's only going to get, like we only have two ways of making it better. Esports, which y'all apparently don't want us to fucking do. Or... And you guys don't seem to feel the need to put your own money into it. Well, then, like, one of those things has to happen because, like, we're floundering here, right? Like, you know, people are getting mad that all these events are starting to become, like, a hundred bucks to go to. And it's like, well, how, how, where do you think the money comes from? Like, yep. like it's something Logan said in, in, in his episode, which was season one, episode three, of, like, where does the money come from? Like, people always want the broadcast to get better. And they're like, well, where, where are we supposed to fund a better broadcast? Like, where, where fans, do you think that money is just going to appear from to make these improvements? And I think, I think that, like, we, you and I can talk about, like, how do we pull in better endemic, like, spot, like, endemic and non-endemic sponsors, and how do we show the value? But I think, realistically the only way that these scenes become sustainable and the only reason these scenes have been sustainable is because of the fans but i think there needs to be sort of a water break moment to an extent to really and it happened for tekken right q dan said that he was gonna quit the guy guy literally had just won the tekken world tour and he was like i'm gonna quit being a pro player and all the fans were like wait what and then harada took over like bamco esports and like things got better ish like they're definitely not capcom pro tour level of better but they are progressively getting better and it was because you had a top tier pro who literally just won your event saying he was gonna quit because everything sucked 
And that was that was like the floodgate moment where like the FGC was like, "Whoa, wait, what? Nah, fuck this, man!" Like, ne- like Bamco, get your shit together. And then Bamco was like, "Oh fuck, uh, uh, Harada, you're now the head of esports." Yeah, I mean, and the problem is like I I just don't know if if Smash is gonna have that watershed moment. I don't foresee. I mean, I like I said, this player KJH basically made that statement, and it didn't really make a splash. And the bigger guys, uh, and I think this is specifically because the top level pros in Smash, as you pointed out, have these like tier one organization sponsorships and are just afraid to lose them. So they're just not going to speak out about how hard it is because they they want to preserve the the facade or like the the image that they are you know rich celebrities um, and not like struggling to pay rent every month. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I I don't know. I I think you're absolutely right. I'm I'm a little cynical about it happening in Smash this year, but I'd love to see it. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I would be I I think I think it will take and I know that like when we say I don't I I think that people don't understand what what a lot of people in our position mean when we say that the esports bubble might pop. They think like dot com bubble where like all the money just vanishes and everything just like resets to zero and everything gets super shitty no that's not what we mean by the esports bubble is going to pop because there's too much money that sort of has propped everything up that like nothing is just going to like fail and disappear unless you're h1z1 um (laughs) what we mean by the esports bubble is going to pop is that no new money is going to come in and you're going to see shrinkage uh and i think it's going to take the FGC esports bubble to pop and a watershed moment before I think a lot of the fans really understand like how I want to say bad because like it's not it's not bad but like how not not sustainable and not great things are I think it's going to take something I think it's going to take one of those two elements and I'm gonna be honest. I foresee the 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 FGC ecosystem uh, shrinking, you know, in like the next five years or something. Unless you know something massively changes, f- is gonna happen first before a bunch of pros or tos, you know, do this sort of like curtain peel back. And yeah. it's it's unfortunate because I love fighting games. Like fighting games is why I love esports like i didn't be i wasn't a cs like i said was a csgo person didn't play dota didn't play warcraft you know i didn't play those games because i didn't always have access to my computer so what was the what was the game i was playing all the time i was playing soul Calibur 3 all day every day i was playing third strike i was playing alpha 2 like those were my that was like my thing and so when I found that that like there it was like I was like you know I was competitive I would compete in local tournaments and stuff not local locals but like I would like hear like oh man this arcade is doing like a king of the hill thing or something, uh, and then I discovered Evo and all that stuff and NOBC, but like I just I just don't see how it gets better and I thought like oh man I'll have Alex Lee he's a smart guy come onto the show and like we'll talk about this for an hour. And somehow, like, with our brains being rubbed together, like, lightning would come down and we could end this episode of, like, this is the genius, like, million-dollar plan. 
how and did, how did we not how did we not come up with a plan? How I mean, we we, we kind of did by saying that we make Maturino better. Yeah, but like, and, and I think that's that is that one simple change would be huge. But I, but I think that that's, like, the idea that everybody has, and everybody's like, man, I really wish that, like, we could, like, every Geo, right, is like, oh, man, if our Maturino, like, just had, like, a dollar per viewer, right, we could yeah. pay, we could pay out to, like, top 64. Like, you got these events with, like, 300 entrants, and you, and you know only, like, eight people are getting paid. And it's yeah. like... So like up and, and like I, like I said, I know that there are chios that literally look at their like they like go talk to like the stream teams that are like helping run each like the streams for each and they're like how many people are watching Tekken right now and they're like oh man like fifteen thousand and they're like man if only fifteen thousand people gave fifty cents if only right oh, if, if only fifteen thousand people gave a penny. Like, things would be markedly better. Right? Just... Even just a penny! Honestly, maybe that's... Maybe that's the secret. We come up with a... We create a version of Maturino that prompts the person to donate one penny. Literally, everyone will do A it. bit! No one will a bit! That. <laughs> right? Like... And you're right. Maybe it does take, like, a Twitch integration thing where it's, like, you donate a bit. And, like... Sure. Because, I mean, I'm a shitty streamer, and I get, like, at least one bit a stream. I get a penny a stream. Like, imagine if I had the same viewers that a Tekken event had, and, all and like, 40% of them gave me a penny. I'll take that. That, give, that gives, you know what, that gives ninth place prize money. Right? Like, if 15,000 people, everybody gave a penny, that guy who, like... Seriously. Bis like barely missed out on top eight, he gets he gets to go home with like a hundred bucks. I'm okay with that. Like that's I'm, I'm on board. That I mean, like I guess that was the rub our brains together. But like, hopefully, people who watch this episode, because I'm gonna try to get it out there. I'm gonna be trying to promote this one a little bit more than I've been promoting the other ones. I've been you know I took a break from super promoting because I wanted to do see what would happen organically. But like. You know, people are going to be like, wow, you guys talked and talked about this. And I feel like these are the arguments that we always hear. And, you know, that there, was, there wasn't a solution because the solution isn't going to come from, like, me and Alex. Right? Like, I, I donate to Maturino. Like, I, I, do, I do the tweet. Wow. I, do the, I do the tweet to get, you know, the, the free okay. points and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, to, you know, add the couple of cents to the prize pool. I do that for any event that I watch. So when I watch NLBLC, I do the NLBC Maturino. But like I'm like we like and like you probably support your Smash scene in your way too, right? But like we're not gonna be weak. We're not gonna be the instrument of change. Y'all don't y'all don't care enough. Like it's gonna have to be you guys, you the viewers, you yep. the viewers of the big streams. Like you guys gotta figure out at what point. Like it's not like Maturino doesn't exist. You know, it's not like it's like the 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 like best kept secret in fighting games, right? Everybody knows what Mascherino is. The fact that like none of y'all give like a quarter to match to every tournament you watch. Like maybe a dollar's too aggressive for you, so I'm gonna say a quarter to every tournament you watched. Do you know how like much better the ecosystem would be? I think about this so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. 
You're right, Amanda. It's not going to come from us. <laughs> we, we can just sit here and play our fiddles while Rome burns. Yeah. Or, you know, try, try to get people's attention at least. But, hey, you know what? That's what we're doing right now. So, yeah. So, so, before we leave, uh, it's a big weekend for Smash. It is. Y'all have Evil Japan and Genesis. Yeah. It's, it's Y'all have, like, 6,000 competitors between two tournaments. Yeah, so the the PGR ranks its tournaments on like a tier ranking system to determine how much each one is worth. With the top ranking being S tier, both Evo Japan and Genesis are S tier tournaments happening at the same time. This has never happened before for Smash Ultimate. So, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm pretty much gonna be. Are you gonna be dual screening? Oh, are you yeah, gonna... <laughs> I'm gonna be hardcore degening, sitting in my boxers all all weekend watching streams on every surface in my apartment. Might even try to get, like, my smart fridge to play the stream. Just kidding, I don't have a smart fridge. That would be crazy if I did. But if I did... <laughs> I feel like I feel like that was the quickest recover I've ever heard in my life. I'm going to watch things on my smart fridge. Wait, I just said I don't donate to Macharino. <laughs> I don't have a smart fridge. I'm just speaking hypothetically. I don't donate to Macharino. That's true. Although I do subscribe to a few Smash players. So. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, this dude's like, I don't subscribe, I don't do Macharino, but like, I can, I can have a smart fridge. That's why he has a smart I, fridge, I, though. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta save my rep here, viewers. I really <laughs> don't have a smart fridge. I, I don't. I mean, I would love to have one. I'm not judging people who have. Viewers, one. when I go to New York City the next time, I will stop by Alex's <laughs> apartment and I will take pictures of the smart fridge and yeah. call him out yeah. as a fraud. No, no, you can come <laughs> to my apartment. I will cook you a delicious dinner, and you will then take a picture of yourself in front of my normal fridge to clear my name. But seriously, you are welcome to come over for a different right. time. Here. Yep. So, so I'll, I'll ask you the, the super hard question. Who wins Evo Japan? Well, I'm actually not going to ask you Evo Japan, because like, there's only, like, I only know... I don't think you... There's no... I think there's zero non-Japanese pros at Evo Japan, because Genesis is the same weekend. Yeah, I think Genesis kind of won out. So, so Genesis, who's winning Smash Ultimate? I Putting mean, a gun to your head, no, no top eight, one person. Who is it? If there's a gun to my head, I'm picking MK Leo. Percent of the time, the kid is nasty. Uh, he's definitely not invincible, but if there's a gun to my head, he's my best choice. Okay, who's your dark uh, horse? Dark horse, Samsora. Honestly. Man, like don't make me root for Samsora more. Year, I mean, everyone loves Samsora. I think 2020 could be the year that Samsora becomes the best player in the world. I'm just putting that Ooh, out there. Ooh, um, that's also, spicy. Uh, Mango is Mango is winning melee. I'm just putting that out here right now. Wait, Mango wins tournaments. Mango won the last two majors. In oh wow! Smash. He, so he actually has probably the most. So it's not even really a hot take. See, you know, Smash, my Smash friends, y'all are slacking on me because y'all have led me to believe that Mango is washed. He was. He he he, <laughs> became, he became unwashed this year, but like all last year was a, a year of ins insane washingness for Mango. So you're you're not that out of date. Okay. All right. Well, Alex, how can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Alex Lee was taken. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, Where are you writing at lately? If you guys want to see some dope Smash articles, you can read them at... Uh, I've been writing weekly Smash recaps, all the news in the scene worth writing, for GG Intel. 
Uh, and I also I have uh, some exciting. I don't know if I should talk about this, but I have an exciting new report coming up on Ooh. just like the the state of freelancing in esports more broadly. So that's, but you know, follow me on Twitter, and then you'll see. You'll all see. And you guys, if you're already at the show, you already know how to find me. We'll go back to that single player screen one more time just so that you guys can see it all. Guys saw it? Guys, screen cap it. We're going to go back to Alex. Thanks for being on the show. Until next time, go beyond, plus ultra, and peace. Peace out, y'all.